The Epistle Dedicatory To His Most Dear and Precious Ones, the Sons and Daughters of the Most High God, over whom the Holy Spirit has made Him a Watchman, Beloved in our dearest Lord, Christ, the Scripture, your own hearts, and Satan's devices are the four prime things that should be first and most studied and searched. If any cast off the study of these, they cannot be safe here, nor happy hereafter. It is my work as a Christian, but much more as I am a watchman, to do my best to discover the fullness of Christ, the emptiness of the creature, and the snares of the great deceiver, which I have endeavored to do in the following discourse, according to that measure of grace which I have received from the Lord. God once accepted a handful of meal for a sacrifice, and a small quantity of goat's hair for an oblation, and I know that you have not so learned the Father as to despise the day of small things. Beloved, Satan being fallen from light to darkness, from felicity to misery, from heaven to hell, from an angel to a devil, is so full of malice and envy that he will leave no means unattempted, whereby he may make all others eternally miserable with himself, he being shut out of heaven and shut up under the chains of darkness until the judgment of the great day, makes use of all his power and skill to bring all the sons of men into the same condition and condemnation with himself. Satan has cast such sinful seed into our souls that now he can no sooner tempt, but we are ready to assent. He can no sooner have a plot upon us, but he makes a conquest of us. If he does but show men a little of the beauty and finery of the world, how ready are they to fall down and worship him? Whatever sin the heart of man is most prone to, that the devil will help forward. If David is proud of his people, Satan will provoke him to number them, that he may be yet prouder. If Peter is slavishly fearful, Satan will put him upon rebuking and denying of Christ to save his own skin. If Ahab's prophets are given to flatter, the devil will immediately become a lying spirit in the mouths of four hundred of them, and they shall flatter Ahab to his ruin. If Judas will be a traitor, Satan will quickly enter into his heart, and make him sell his master for money, which some heathen would never have done. If Ananias will lie for advantage, Satan will fill his heart that he may lie, with a witness to the Holy Spirit. Satan loves to sail with the wind, and to suit men's temptations to their conditions and inclinations. If they be in prosperity, he will tempt them to deny God. If they be in adversity, he will tempt them to distrust God. If their knowledge be weak, he will tempt them to have low thoughts of God. If their conscience be tender, he will tempt to scrupulosity. If large, to carnal security. If bold-spirited, he will tempt to presumption. If timorous, to desperation. If flexible, to inconstancy. If stiff, to impenitency. From the power Malice and skill of Satan precedes all the soul-killing plots, devices, stratagems, and machinations which are in the world. Several devices he has to draw souls to sin, and several plots he has to keep souls from all holy and heavenly services, 
and several stratagems he has to keep souls in a mourning, staggering, doubting, and questioning condition. He has several devices to destroy the great and honorable, the wise and learned, the blind and ignorant, the rich and the poor, the real and the nominal Christians. At one time, he will restrain from tempting that we may think ourselves secure and neglect our watch. At another time, he will seem to flee, that he may make us proud of the victory. At one time, he will fix men's eyes on others' sins than their own, that he may puff them up. At another time, he may fix their eyes more on others' graces than their own, that he may discourage them. A man may as well count the stars and number the sands of the sea as reckon up all the devices of Satan. Yet those which are most considerable, and by which he does most mischief to the precious souls of men, are in the following treatise discovered, and the remedies against them prescribed. Beloved, I think it necessary to give you and the world a faithful account of the reasons moving me to appear in print in these days, wherein we may say there was never more writing, and yet never less practicing, and they are these that follow. Reason 1. Because Satan has a greater influence upon men and higher advantages over them than they think he has, and the knowledge of his high advantage is the high way to disappoint him and to render the soul strong in resisting and happy in conquering. Reason 2. Your importunity and the importunity of many other precious sons of Zion has, after much striving with God, my own heart, and others, made a conquest of me and forced me to do that at last, which at first was not a little contrary to my inclination and resolution. Reason 3. The strange opposition that I met with from Satan in the study of this following discourse has put an edge upon my spirit, knowing that Satan strives mightily to keep those things from seeing the light that tend eminently to shake and break his kingdom of darkness, and to lift up the kingdom and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in the souls and lives of the men. Reason 4. Its exceeding usefulness to all sorts, ranks, and conditions of men in the world. Here you have salve for every sore, and a plaster for every wound, and a remedy against every disease, especially against those that tend most to the undoing of souls and the ruin of the state. Reason 5. I know not of any one or other that have written of this subject. All that ever I have seen have only touched upon this theme, which has been no small provocation to me to attempt to do something this way that others, that have better heads and hearts, may be the more stirred to improve their talents in a further discovery of Satan's devices, and in making known of such choice remedies as may enable the souls of men to triumph over all his plots and stratagems. Reason 6. I have many precious friends in several countries, who are desirous that my pen may reach them, now that my voice cannot. I have formerly been, by the help of the mighty God of Jacob, a weak instrument of good to them, and cannot but hope and believe that the Lord will also bless these labors to them, they being in part the fruit of their desires and prayers. Reason 7. Lastly, not knowing how soon my hourglass may be out, and how soon I may be cut off by a hand of death from all opportunities of doing further service for Christ or your souls in this world, I was willing to sow a little handful of spiritual seed among you, 
that so when I put off this earthly tabernacle, my love to you, and that dear remembrance of you, which I have in my soul, may strongly engage your minds and spirits to make this book your companion, and under all external or internal changes, to make use of this heavenly salve, which I hope will, by the blessing of the Lord, be as effectual for the healing of all your wounds, as their looking up to the bronze serpent was effectual to heal theirs, who were bit and stung with fiery serpents. I shall leave this book with you as a legacy of my dearest love, desiring the Lord to make it a far greater and sweeter legacy than all those carnal legacies that are left by the high and mighty ones of the earth to their nearest and dearest relations. Beloved, I would not have affection carry my pen too much beyond my intention. Therefore only give me leave to signify my desires for you, and my desires to you, and I shall draw to a close. My desires for you are, that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light, that you do no evil, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and that you may be eminent in sanctity, sanctity being Zion's glory, that your hearts may be kept upright, your judgments sound, and your lives unblameable, that as you are now my joy, so in the day of Christ you may be my crown, that I may see my labors in your lives, that your lives may not be earthly when the things you hear are heavenly, but that it may be as becomes the gospel. That, as the fish which live in the salt sea yet are fresh, so you, though you live in an ungodly world, may yet be godly and loving. That you may, like the bee, suck honey out of every flower. That you may shine in the sea of troubles, as the pearl shines in the sky, though it grows in the sea. That in all your trials you may shine like the stone in Thracia, which neither burns in the fire nor sinks in the water, that you may be like the heavens, excellent in substance and beautiful in appearance, that so you may meet me with joy in that day wherein Christ shall say to his Father, Lo, here am I, and the children that you have given me. My desires to you are that you would make it your business to study Christ, his word, your own hearts, Satan's plots, and eternity more than ever that you would endeavor more to be inwardly sincere than outwardly glorious, 
to live than to have a mere name to live, that you would labor with all your might to be thankful under mercies, and thankful in your places, and humble under divine appearances, and fruitful under precious ordinances, that as your means and mercies are greater than others, so your account before God may not prove a worse than others, that you would pray for me, who am not worthy to be named among the saints, that I may be a precious instrument in the hand of Christ to bring in many souls unto him, and to build up those who are brought in, in their most holy faith, and that utterance may be given to me, that I may make known all the will of God, that I may be sincere, faithful, frequent, fervent, and constant in the work of the Lord, and that my labor be not in vain in the Lord, that my labors may be accepted in the Lord and his saints, and I may daily see the travail of my soul. But above all, pray for me, that I may more and more find the power and sweet of those things upon my own heart that I give out to you and others that my soul may be so visited with strength from on high that I may live up fully and constantly to those truths that I hold forth to the world, and that I may be both in life and doctrine a burning and a shining light, that so when the Lord Jesus shall appear, I may receive a crown of glory which he shall give to me in that day, and not only to me, but to all who love his appearing. For a close, remember this that your life is short, your duties many, your assistance great, and your reward sure. Therefore, faint not, hold on, and hold up in ways of well-doing, and heaven shall make amends for all. I shall now take leave of you, when my heart has by my hand subscribed, that I am your loving pastor under Christ, according to all pastoral affections and engagements, in our dearest Lord, Thomas Brooks. Editor's Note The next few minutes are narrated by a computer voice. A word to the reader. Dear friend. Solomon bids us by the truth, Proverbs 23 verse 23, but does not tell us what it must cost, because we must get it though it be ever so dear. We must love truth both shining and scorching. Every parcel of truth is precious as the filings of gold. We must either live with it, or die for it, as Ruth said to Naomi, Where you go I will go, and where you lodge I will lodge, and nothing but death shall part you and me, Ruth 1 verses 16, 17, so must gracious spirits say, Where truth goes I will go, and where truth lodges I will lodge, and nothing but death shall part me and truth. A man may lawfully sell his house, land and jewels, but truth is a jewel that exceeds all price, and must never be sold. It is our heritage, your testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, Psalm 119 verse 111. Truth is a legacy that our forefathers have bought with their blood, which should make us willing to lay down anything, and to lay out anything, that we may, with the wise merchant in the gospel, Matthew 13 verse 45, purchase this precious pearl, which is of more worth than heaven and earth, and which will make a man live happily, die comfortably, and reign eternally. And now, if you please, read this work, and receive this counsel from me. First, you must know that every man cannot be excellent, yet every man may be useful.
an iron key may unlock the door with a golden treasure behind it, yes, iron can do some things that gold cannot. Secondly, remember, it is not hasty reading, but serious meditating upon holy and heavenly truths, that make them prove sweet and profitable to the soul. It is not the bee's touching of the flower, which gathers honey, but her abiding for a time upon the flower, which draws out the sweet. It is not he who reads most, but he who meditates most, who will prove the choicest, sweetest, wisest and strongest Christian. Next, know that it is not the knowing, nor the talking, nor the reading man, but the doing man, who at last will be found the happiest man. If you know these things, blessed and happy are you if you do them. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. John 13 verse 17, Matthew 7 verse 21. Judas called Christ Lord, Lord, and yet betrayed him, and has gone to his place. Ah, how many Judases have we in these days? Who kiss Christ, and yet betray Christ? Who in their words profess him, but in their works deny him? Who bow their knee to him, and yet in their hearts despise him? Who call him Jesus, and yet will not obey him as their Lord? Reader, if it is not strong upon your heart to practice what you read, to what end do you read? To increase your own condemnation? If your light and knowledge are not turned into practice, the more knowing a man you are, the more miserable a man you will be in the day of recompense, your light and knowledge will more torment you than all the devils in hell, your knowledge will be that rod that will eternally lash you, and that scorpion that will forever bite you, and that worm that will everlastingly gnaw you. Therefore read, and labor to know, that you may do, or else you are undone forever. When Demosthenes was asked, what was the first part of an orator? What was the second part? What was the third part? He answered, action. The same I may say. If any should ask me, what is the first, the second, the third part of a Christian? I must answer, action. As that man who reads that he may know, and that labors to know that he may do, will have two heavens. A heaven of joy, peace and comfort on earth. And a heaven of glory and happiness after death. Fourthly and lastly, so desiring that you may find as much sweetness and advantage in reading this treatise, as I have found by the overshadowings of heaven in the studying and writing of it, I recommend you, to God, and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, and to give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Acts 20 verse 32 Your soul's servant in every office of the gospel. Thomas Brooks Introduction 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. In verse 6, the Apostle Paul shows that the incestuous person had by his incest, saddened those precious souls who God would not have saddened. Souls who walk sinfully are hazales to the godly, 2 Kings 8 verses 12 to 15, and draw many sighs and tears from them. Jeremiah weeps in secret for Judah's sins, and Paul cannot speak of the Belagods with dry eyes.
Lot's righteous soul was burdened, vexed, and racked, by the filthy Sodomites, 2 Peter 2 verses 7, 8. Every sinful Sodomite was a hazel to his eyes and heart. Gracious souls used to mourn for other men's sins as well as their own, and for the souls and sins of those who make a mock of sin, and a jest of damning their own souls. Guilt or grief is all that gracious souls get by communion with vain souls, streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. Psalm 119 verse 136, I look on the faithless with loathing, for they do not obey your word. Psalm 119 verse 158. In the sixth verse, Paul shows that the punishment which was inflicted upon the incestuous person was sufficient, and therefore they should not refuse to receive him who had repented and sorrowed for his former faults and follies. It is not for the honor of Christ, the credit of the gospel, nor the good of souls, for professors to be like those bloody wretches who burnt some who recanted at the stake, saying, that they would send them into eternity while they were in a good mind. In the 7th through 10th verses, the Apostle stirs up the church to forgive him, to comfort him, and to confirm their love towards him, lest he should be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow, Satan going about to mix the detestable weeds of despair, with the godly sorrow of a pure penitent heart. It was a sweet saying of Jerome, let a man grieve for his sin, and then rejoice for his grief. That sorrow for sin which keeps the soul from looking towards the mercy seat, and that keeps Christ and the soul asunder, or that shall render the soul unfit for the communion of saints, is a sinful sorrow. In the eleventh verse, he lays down another reason to help them to show pity and mercy to the penitent sinner who was mourning and groaning under his sin and misery, that is, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices lest Satan should get an advantage of us. The word advantage is taken from the greedy merchant, who seeks and takes all opportunities to beguile and deceive others. Satan is that wily merchant who devours, not widows' houses, but most men's souls. For we are not ignorant of Satan's devices, or evil plots, or machinations, or stratagems. He is but a Christian in title only who has no personal experience of Satan's stratagems, his set and composed machinations, his artificially mould methods, his plots, his darts, his depths, whereby he outwitted our first parents. This is enough for the opening up of the words of our text. The main observation that I shall draw from these words is this, that Satan has his several devices to deceive, entangle, and undo the souls of men. I shall. 1. Prove the point. 2. Show you his several devices. 3. Show the remedies against his devices. 4. Show how it comes to pass that he has so many various devices to deceive, entangle, and damn the souls of men. 5. Lay down some propositions concerning Satan's devices. Chapter 1 the proof of the point. For the proof of the point, take these few scriptures. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
The Greek word that is here rendered wiles is a notable emphatic word. 1. It signifies such snares as are laid behind one, such treacheries as come upon one's back by surprise. It notes the methods or waylayings of that old subtle serpent who, like Dan's adder in the path, bites the heels of passengers and thereby transfuses his venom to the head and heart. The word signifies an ambush or stratagem of war, whereby the enemy sets upon a man at unawares. 2. It signifies such snares as are set to catch one in one's road. A man walks in his road and thinks not of it, but suddenly he is caught by thieves, or falls into a pit, etc. 3. It signifies such as are purposely, artificially, and craftily set for the taking the prey at the greatest advantage that can be. The Greek signifies properly a waylaying, circumvention, or going about as they do, who seek after their prey. Julian, by his craft, drew more away from the faith than all his persecuting predecessors could do by their cruelty. So does Satan more hurt in his sheep's skin than by roaring like a lion. Take one scripture more for the proof of the point, and that is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, and that they might recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. The Greek word that is here rendered recover themselves signifies to awaken themselves. The apostle alludes to one who is asleep or drunk, who is to be awakened and restored to his senses. And the Greek word that is here rendered taken captive signifies to be taken alive. The word is properly a military word and signifies to be taken alive as soldiers are taken alive in the wars, or as birds are taken alive and ensnared in the fowler's net. Satan has snares for the wise and snares for the simple, snares for hypocrites and snares for the upright, snares for generous souls and snares for timorous souls, snares for the rich and snares for the poor, snares for the aged and snares for youth. Happy are those souls that are not taken and held in the snares that he has laid. Take one proof more, and then I will proceed to the opening of the point, and that is in Revelation chapter 2, verse 24. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and who have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you no other burden but to hold fast until I come. These poor souls called their opinions the depths of God, when indeed they were the depths of Satan. You call your opinions depths, and so they are, but they are such depths as Satan has brought out of hell. They are the whisperings and hissings of that serpent, not the inspirations of God.